and this is Sarah Hart Unger. Welcome to Best Laid Plans, a podcast all about planners, planning techniques, and anything related to that genre. Today, we're going to talk all about habits, both how I like to track habits and how I've seen others do it, as well as a deep dive into the current habit that I'm working on, and I know a lot of others are as well. We did record recently the other podcast that I'm on is called Best of Both Worlds for those of you who are not crossover listeners, and I'm sure there are a few. And we did do a habits episode on that recently where I talked about some of my foundation habits, those habits in life that I feel like when I do them every day or most days, or at least pay attention to how often I'm doing them, the rest of my life seems to just go better. So this episode, I will take a little bit of a deeper dive into those as well as talk about how I track those using my planner. Now, the first thing I have to say is that I've seen many different ways of tracking habits. There are some really involved spreads. For example, the annual planner in the Hobonichi can be used to track habits. It's a little cramped, but there are tiny little boxes that you could use to track literally up to 10 habits every single month for every day. Um, You would just have to use some kind of color coding, and you could make quite a beautiful rainbow if you filled that with your habits. And I'll share a picture of what I'm talking about in the show notes, of course. I also mentioned on a prior episode, there's something called a Gantt chart. And a Gantt chart is basically a monthly grid with columns for each day of the month and then the rows for each habit so that you could check off and kind of fill a page with boxes that way. I tend to like the monthly or even a weekly habit checklist more than one for the entire year. Why? Because I burn out easily. And if I have a bad week, I don't necessarily feel like I need to be staring at it at all of the months to come. I'd rather start fresh and kind of look at my new habit checklist as as a place to begin rather than kind of looking back and seeing my failures, I guess. So I do prefer to do my own habit tracking charts either on monthly pages or even on weekly pages to just check off what I'm doing. And I honestly pay the most attention to the habits I track day to day. Why? Because that's when I'm aiming to do them. It is fun to track over time. and can be motivating to to put the boxes in the little chart. But what really gets me to actually do the habits is seeing that that little box that I have set up on every single daily page where I kind of know what I'm aiming for in that given day. It's not like it's magic. And there are days where I absolutely cannot fit in everything because I have a job responsibilities and I have parenting responsibilities. And sometimes crises happen. But when I do have the flexibility, I find that when I see that empty graphic, I try to make the time and space to fill it with the things that I feel are important for me. So that's why I've found daily habit tracking to actually be the most powerful tool. So how do I currently do it? Well, if you've seen my daily pages that I currently do in my bullet journal and that I plan to translate into my Hobonichi or maybe even some other planner that I'm considering for next year, I basically make a rectangle and some boxes with little cryptic code letters next to them so that I can actually fill out throughout the day whether I'm getting done the things that I feel are important. So I will let you in on what all those secret letters mean because every time I post one of these daily pages, I get a number of questions. Hey, what's the M? What's the little music note? So I usually make a rectangle. Currently, I make it using yellow. It just seems to, I don't know, make the page look nice and seems to match with every other color scheme. But there's almost always a yellow rectangle on the right top hand corner of my page that fills five bullet journal grid squares. And then there are letters above. Currently, the letters are M, which stands for meditation, because I do try to do a 10 minute headspace meditation every day. There's a little O, which stands for outside. I count that as a success as long as I've spent, say, 20 minutes at least walking around outside. Sometimes our weather is kind of iffy here in Florida, so I can't always know that I'm going to get, you know, some 
hour long walk in, but there's usually at least a 20 minute break in the clouds where I can try to get outside either during my lunch hour or early in the morning or, you know, rarely with the kids in the evening. Although to be honest, that's not quite, usually my walks are for restorative and calming energy. And when I have three children with me, well, that's a little difficult. Anyway, digression. So we have our M, we have our O. R stands for reading. I start almost every day with a few pages, or at least I try to get to one chapter of nonfiction reading. So I usually get to check that one off right away, which feels good. A little music note, which stands for putting on some music of some kind during the day. That could be doing it in the car, it could be on a walk, or it could be just in the evening picking something that I like on Spotify. I find that music adds a lot of depth and I just really enjoy it in my life, but I often forget to make it part of my life unless I like remind myself. And then I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that I remembered to choose something to listen to. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the 10th time listening to Taylor Swift's folklore. It still makes me happier. So I do try to track it because it's something I like to incorporate on a daily basis. And then the fifth part of the rectangle right now is actually a D, which stands for Duolingo, because I'm trying to do 10 minutes of Spanish every day. It is kind of easy to sneak that in because anytime you have to wait for something, that can be a great activity to go to. And my daughter and I are trying to do streaks together. So that is a little bit motivating as well. I have a separate checkbox that I use for my workout. And the reason I do that is because I do tend to have a rest day once a week and I don't like having a blank space. I know that's crazy, but whatever it is, what it is. And then I have two longer boxes. One of them is for the number of steps I take during the day. And the smaller one is for the minutes of screen time that I take or that I have during the day. And I'll get to how I calculate that screen time and why I care about paying attention to it in a second. So those are the habits that I track day to day. Usually I then go through like when I'm planning in the morning, I'll look at the prior day, I'll fill in the number of steps in the screen time, and that's when I transfer it to any kind of chart that I'm keeping for the month. I'll be completely honest, I'm not always that good about that part. So there's a lot of monthly charts that I've abandoned halfway through the month. But I am very good about setting up the daily chart most days. Because again, I find that it's a tool that really helps me in the present, not necessarily by admiring some long streak of success, but just as a reminder on any given day. And if that day ends up half empty, that's okay. The next day is a new day to start fresh and to try to fill up my habit boxes again. So if you try tracking habits and it's not working for you, I highly recommend trying to just track it on any given day. If you don't use a daily planner, maybe you could fill out some kind of daily note sheets or like a daily big three page, something like that. There's certainly no right way to do this. Um, But I have found that it is pretty successful to do it this way for me anyway. So I wanted to pass it on. Plus, now you know what those boxes mean. Okay, so that's generally how I track habits. The second thing I want to talk about is the habit that I am committed to working on right now. And the reason that I'm going to get a little bit personal with this habit on this podcast is because every time I bring it up with someone in real life, they look at me and say, oh yeah, I really want to work on that too. So I know I'm not alone in wanting to really get some control over how I use my phone and my mindless screen time. And I feel like there are some strategies that are planning related that I'm going to be using to help myself and already am using to help myself. So maybe they will help some of you as well. So I tend to have an issue where if I am stressed or bored, so this is like the worst when I'm like alone with all three kids for a whole weekend or when maybe when I'm on call, I just go to Instagram because it's the world's easiest escape. It's brain candy. You no longer have to think really about anything. It decides what you're going to think for you. And it's an algorithm designed to just basically suck you in and let minutes pass you by. The truth is someone is profiting off of that time with my eyeballs spent glued to the phone. And that person is not me. 
I do enjoy Instagram sometimes. And in fact, I have a whole, as I've talked about, I think, like planner-focused feed that can be really fun. And I have made some fun connections. But I have to say, I think it takes from me more than it gives me. And I could probably get what I need to get from it, spending hmm, 20 minutes a week just looking at my favorite feeds or maybe watching just one great video rather than scrolling through a bunch of stuff. So I'm really, really dedicated to lessening the amount of screen time in my life, particularly the mindless screen time that kind of creeps in the crevices of life. You know, when you're waiting for something, God forbid, when you're at a traffic light, when you are standing in line or in the elevator or walking down the hospital and you're just kind of feeling antsy. I really, really don't want to be pulling out my phone in those instances. And I know I'm not the only one who does it because I look around and everyone else is doing it too. So As I've tackled other habits in my life, I'm really going to put my energy into doing this. Recently, I realized there were about 100, well, there were exactly 100 days left in the year. I think the date was September 22nd or 23rd. And I thought about, you know, what habit do I really want to focus on trying to get in line to maybe make next year a better year than I could even imagine having this year? And the one thing that kept coming up again and again was I've got to fix my relationship with social media and with my phone and with just general digital distractions. So what did I do? What I always do. I went to my planner and I journaled some pages about how I wanted to do that. And I went through a couple of iterations before I decided on kind of the best rules for myself. Now, I will say I am an upholder and I am going to talk about some strategies that you might use for this particular habit if you are some of the other tendencies. For reference, I'm referring to Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies that talk about basically people's ability to achieve commitments either within themselves or outside of themselves. So upholders respond fairly readily to both inner and outer expectations. Questioners are much better with inner expectations. And if you ask them to do something, they really want a good reason for why they should do it for themselves. Obligers are the third tendency and kind of the opposite of well, I guess the opposite of questioners. And they respond really well to outer expectations, but not very well to inner expectations. And finally, rebels really resist expectations of all kinds. So you have to be very creative with rebels. So again, I'm an upholder. So creating charts in my planner and creating specific rules for myself, they do tend to work. I will say it's not like they always work on the first time with everything that I try, but I can think of a number of habits that I have cultivated through just brute force. And maybe it took a few rounds before I really found a formula that worked for me, but eventually I did get there. Habits that I can think about include things like flossing, like strength training, I don't know, writing in my blog. I don't know if that's really a habit. That's something I love to do. So it's not all that challenging for me to force myself to do it. But yes, I am an upholder. So your mileage may vary. And I'm going to mention some creative techniques that you might use if you fit more of the other tendencies for meeting expectations. So for me, the first thing I wanted to do was to come up with some rules. And I decided that I really want to do a bit of a cleanse. Now, I do need to check Instagram or go into Instagram on early Monday mornings and early Tuesday mornings. And that's because I like to post the episodes of the podcast that I'm involved in because I think that's an important way for people to know you have a new episode out. Not everybody subscribes, although you totally should. I will share that I subscribe to way more podcasts than I listen to and I just delete the ones I'm not interested in fun fact that actually helps your podcasters because they'll count as downloads. And that way you can kind of pick and choose out of the menu that you get. But not everybody does subscribe. So they might just tune in for an episode, maybe on Spotify, which we are on Spotify if they see it in their Insta feed. So I feel like I do need to share. Plus, that's a great place for people to post questions or comments about the episode. So that's Monday and Tuesday mornings. 
You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick, and what I'm hoping to wear all season, is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The rest of the week, I really don't have any specific reason that I have to go onto Instagram. I do like to check in kind of once in a while in case somebody else like, shares an episode of something I've done or reaches out to me with a question. So what I decided on was that I could go in early on Monday and Tuesday mornings like usual, and that's just to create my own post for these two podcasts. And then I can briefly check in on any day, any weekday between the hours of 11.30 and 1 p.m. I chose that because I'm not going to be free for those, you know, that entire time. But I usually have a few minutes like during my lunch break or maybe right before a meeting starts that I could quickly check in. That's really all I need. I could imagine maybe adding some like slightly longer session. I remember that Cal Newport mentioned scheduling your Instagram time like you would a favorite TV show. So I could see saying like, okay, Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. is going to be scroll time. And that's when I'm going to catch up on, you know, the latest Amanda Rachley video and, you know, some new planner reviews. And I could see doing that in the future. But right now I want to keep it really limited. 
So a brief check-in on other weekdays that can be during those hours only. If those hours go by and I didn't check in, well, that's it. I can check it again the next day and that's it. And I'm going to completely eliminate any social media checking on weekends and plan on basically docking my phone and using it only to answer calls or make FaceTime or play music. And that's about it. I also don't want to get caught in WhatsApp chains or text chains because they can be fun, but man, they can suck you in. And then all of a sudden, once again, your attention's kind of fractionated and you're nearly here and or there. And I think there is some moderate space to be found, but I haven't quite found it yet. So I'm just working on really, really lowering the number of minutes. So in addition to limiting my Instagram time, I am aiming for less than 100 minutes average of all screen time on my phone as measured on the screen time app. I do have an iPhone. I know that there are some Android solutions that do similarly, but I do like how Apple has added the ability to see exactly how much time you are frittering away on your your phone. The other nice thing is that it's fractionated. So what I mean is that it's divided into different apps. I have to do some telemedicine where I use my phone to talk to patients. And I don't want that counting toward my total because that's not something I can control. And it's pure work time. It's not, I don't, that's certainly not wasted time. That's important time. Those are actual patient encounters. Or maybe I am running a meeting for my residents or attending a lecture on Zoom. So the 100 minutes are not a raw 100 minutes as revealed by the screen time app, but I have to look at the total number of minutes and then subtract out the minutes spent on those things that are important, like, Haiku, which is our you know patient care app, the way we do our some of our telehealth visits, or Doximity, which is another app that we use for telehealth visits, and that's all I use it for. I think it does have some social media aspects, but thankfully I don't, not really into that. And what else did I subtract? I subtracted out Zoom the other day because I had a meeting. You might subtract out Maps if you're just using your phone for straight navigation, or your podcast app if you're just listening and not not sort of multitasking. So you can subtract out what you want. I think I'll also subtract out FaceTime because I use my phone to talk to my sister and my parents, and I don't consider those a negative. I consider that, you know, a positive. That's that's connection. So really, what I'm looking for is 100 minutes or less of just mindless screen time, just opening the phone, looking at my messages, checking what's up checking Insta, and even just like for the screen to just be unlocked and and not doing anything because it might mean that I'm just sort of like aimlessly looking for something to do. So 100 minutes basically of net um, actual like leisure screen time. So that's kind of a rule that I made for myself. And then I've committed to writing down whenever I use it. So on my daily planning pages, anytime that I check Insta or check the comments on my blog or even check my Gmail, I'm just putting a little arrow in because I think that's going to be a major deterrent. I'm not going to want to put like 30 arrows that I checked 90 times in a row. Will there be days that I just have a terrible day and I throw the whole thing out the window? I'm sure. But just like my habits, hopefully the next day I can then get back up on the horse and you know start again and, and commit to writing down what I'm doing. Finally, I am going to track the minutes of screen time that I spend and calculate in my planner so I do have kind of a running list with the goal of averaging less than 100. I have just started, but I am happy to report that I only had 51 minutes yesterday, which is like way less than usual. So I think this combination of rules and forced awareness are going to be very helpful for me. I also think that this could go beyond screen time. I write down like what I eat on a regular basis, which I know sounds kind of crazy, but I I think it does the same thing. I'm not very policing about what I eat, but just by writing it down, I have an awareness of what's going into my body. And it's so easy to go autopilot and make poor choices. But if I know I have to write them down and admit them to myself, then I'm much less likely to do so. I always write down my workouts as I noted before. So I do think that writing and tracking things can be a fantastic way of enhancing your ability to follow through with things that you want to do. And to me, 
getting better about my phone use is as, as important as all of those other foundation things that I mentioned before. And it also kind of links to them because time that I'm not spending on Instagram is time that I can spend doing Duolingo or reading or, you know, doing any number of things. So I'm really excited. I think this will work for my upholder self. If you are more of a questioner, you may need to do some journaling and deep diving into why it's important for you to give up, you know, or to limit your screen time. Or maybe it's not, you know, a questioner might say, well, for me, it's fine. And of course, I've had people say, well, the phone isn't bad. And it's not. I don't feel that it's inherently bad. I feel that for some people, it has a very addictive quality and can cause you to um, waste a lot of time and may have negative mental health implications for some people. And I think that I am fairly susceptible to that. I've always like loved to like read message boards. I can get sucked into that kind of thing very easily. So I count myself among the vulnerable there. And I think I need to take defense, but that doesn't mean that it applies to everyone. I do know, however, that again, when I bring this up, there are a lot of people who feel similarly. So I guess to my questioners, I'd say, well, look within yourself. Is it important to you? Are there other things you want to be doing with your time? If not, that's fine. But if if there are, then you may want to really take a deep dive into why, and that will help you to be able to uh, get it to a level where you want it to be. If you are an obliger, and remember that the obligers respond to outer expectations, then you're somebody who might do really well with some kind of accountability partner. But kind of ironically, you could share screenshots of your screen time to see you know, who could do better or to keep up. Or maybe you would, I don't know, do better off just in real life having a partner where every day you discuss what you're doing to use your phone more intentionally. And then finally, a rebel you know, they often have a lot of trouble with inner or outer expectations. But I do feel like this is one where the rebel tendency lends itself to either the identity trick, which is to say, like, I'm not a person who is dependent on my phone. I am somebody who is present in life. You know, my I'm not going to be controlled by these phone companies and their algorithms taking minutes away of my time. So there are certainly ways to frame this that may help people with that tendency. So I'm curious, please write to me on Insta. I know that's very ironic, but I will be checking it intermittently or write to me on my blog in the show notes. You know, is this an issue for you as well? And what have you done to counteract it? I think I'm also going to reread two of my favorite books on the subject. One is How to Break Up with Your Phone by Katherine Price, and the other is Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, who I have mentioned before. Again, I've designated rules for myself. I've committed to writing down what I'm doing for accountability, and I'm going to be tracking things in my planner. And I think with those combinations of things, I should be able to get control of this habit, just like I no longer need to track flossing. I think I did once, but no, I definitely don't need to anymore. And it's just something that comes naturally. Okay. So this was a deep dive into habits. I promised that I was going to mention a couple of planner-related products. The first is the Amplify Planner, which I'm going to be playing with for the next three months, and I'm very excited about it. I kind of ordered it on a whim. Um, You guys know I've been using the Archer and Olive Bullet Journal, and I'm about to be out of pages, so I thought, what more fun would it be to order something for the last quarter of 2020? Especially because I couldn't go back to my Hobonichi because I've been playing with it and drawing with it, and like I've used half the pages just testing different pens and testing different layouts for next year, so... That's kind of a no-go. So I needed to come up with something. Now I have the Amplify. It came in the mail really quickly. I think I got it in about a week. And it is quite a big planner for a three-month planner. Um, And that's because there's a lot in it and the paper is pretty thick. So I was kind of surprised because I thought with a three-month planner, it would be a little bit slimmer, but it's, it's, it's sizable. It has really functional looking layouts. We'll see. My only hesitation is that the weekly layouts are not vertical columns. And I really have gotten used to 
looking at my week that way, I feel like it helps me to be able to see where my blank spaces are. But I think I might be able to be creative and figure out how to turn the horizontal days into kind of a vertical layout because there is graph paper and maybe I'll kind of block off sections for the morning, afternoon, and night. We will see. I'm going to have to play with it. I did do a pen test. It's very compatible with my pens of many of them and it's really not, the paper does not smudge. So that made me extremely happy. Um, I really liked how my current favorite pen, the Pentel Energel Klena 04, I've kind of switched from the five to the four now, how that works in this planner. So I'll probably just be using a lot of that. Although the Stetler Pigment 01 and the Pigma Micron 01 also worked really nicely in this planner as well. And it has these really detailed daily pages, which I think will be really nice to be experimenting with some more just time blocking and, and really specific ways of looking at how I will spend my time, as well as tracking what I was just talking about, tracking my screen time very carefully. So I'm very excited to dive into this planner for the last three months of the year. And I wanted to share one other option, which I don't think I've spoken about yet because I really just found out about it. There's a planner called the Wonderland 222. And I became aware of this when the reader, Teresa of my blog was like, I found this cool new planner. And I was like, what is that? It is, it uses the same paper as a Hobonichi and does have a lot of features in common with a Hobonichi but it does not have a page for every day. And instead, it's kind of a two book system. You can either buy just the planner portion, which has weekly layouts fairly similar to the Hobonichi Cousin, or you can buy that plus the page a day companion to make your daily pages in a separate book. I'm going to take a whole deep dive into that system, but just in case anybody is, you know, really trying to make their decision now to order next year and, and, or maybe you had your eye on Hobonichi, you may want to check out the Wonderland 222 because it's not that often that I like see something and basically gasp. Um, but I was really, really impressed with their offerings. And I reached out to the company and they were so incredibly nice. So they're going to be sending me some samples and I will take a deeper dive into that planner on a later episode. So I think this is it. Thank you so much for joining me today on Best Laid Plans. We took a deep dive into habits and habit tracking, as well as my current you know, holy grail habit, which is to work on controlling my phone and screen time. And I'll certainly provide you all with updates on that's how that's going in later episodes. So see, now I'll get some accountability as well. Please feel free to either reach out to me on Insta because I will be checking regularly, just not, you know, all day long or on the blog post where I always leave the show notes, or you can always email me as well. You can get me at sarah.heart.unger at gmail.com or even the old address shoeboxblog at gmail.com. Fun fact, they all go to the same place anyway. So I am happy to get your emails and I am looking for some more questions for an upcoming Q&A episode. So keep those coming. I love your questions. Finally, if you have not yet left me a review and you would be willing to, I would be so grateful continuing to try to grow the show. You know, I've reached out to some kind of bigwigs in the planner industry. And uh, I got to say, like the more press this podcast gets and the more the more it looks fairly established, the more likely I am to get some of the bigger names that people have requested. So please, if you can leave me a review, I really appreciate it. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me at T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, theshoebox.com, or at shoebox underscore plans on Instagram. Have a wonderful day, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.